Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yes, guys, I'm Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. Delighted to be here for another episode of my story. We're into Series 5 now. We've had a whole range of guests from uh, football, boxing, MMA, media, uh, films, music. It's always an array of guests. It's been a while, actually, since uh, we've had someone from the world of football. But uh, I'm delighted to be welcomed by former Lincoln City, Cardiff City, Hull City striker, among other clubs, Mr. Gavin Gordon. How are you, my friend? You good? Yes, I'm good, thank you. Yourself? You're looking well? Yeah, mate. I'm um, going well at the moment. Kind of uh, trying to keep keep busy as best my health will allow sort of thing. And it's been good. I've been uh, kind of enjoying myself at the moment i think it's fair to say but uh you've got to make the most of it when you're feeling positive and feeling good you've got to try and keep it going i guess because you never you you know what it's like something will happen or just the bad days will come so you've got to make the most of the good ones i suppose exactly you have to look after yourself as well you can't always work and keep pushing on so yeah you, you've got to take time for yourself and, and make sure that you're happy as well yeah it's been that's interesting actually because i think um like when I first started doing the the podcast and and the channel and stuff, I very much was like, just all day every day, just had to, I had to keep doing it and just I got to do this and I got to do that and I, I think over the last sort of year or so, I have become a bit more clever with like, right, it's getting a bit much or it's getting on top of me or my physical health is not great and then I'll take like a month off and bring it like right back down. So I I think at the start of this year I was only doing the one show with Rodri on a Thursday each week. So, and it did help. I got to say, like it made a big difference just to how I felt and it helped with my physical health as well. But uh, you don't want to talk about me too much, mate, because you're there. Well, well yeah, you're interested as well. Everyone's interested in everyone's lives, aren't they? So, um, yeah. yeah, that's it, mate. No, it's, uh, listen, I, um, I, like these, I like these shows because, you know, we get to hear about people's, careers and stuff like that how they started and all that sort of stuff but also it's just a conversation and it's a conversation about how your career went football whatever it may be but um I do like to kind of start at the beginning to a certain extent we will jump around a bit as we go along but to sort of start us off uh, tell us a bit about your kind of your upbringing and uh, what Gavin Gordon was like as a as a wee man Wow. Um, I started off at um, in Old Trafford, Manchester, um, actually. So, um, yeah, that's where I was born in Manchester. And then we moved to 
I was in my side first, and then we moved to Old Trafford. Um, yeah, when I was young, very young. Um, so that's all I know. Um, just growing out of the streets there. That's where you, I, I'm, I was always a sportive person. So um, and people who I was around just used to like sports as well. So I used to play, just literally take over the roads on the, yeah. on the side of the streets of paint. I, I, I went there um, um, last week and I showed the, the kids where I painted my, my goal on the side of the wall. Mm. And it's That's still right. just about there because not many That's kids right. play on the streets now because it's, it's full of cars now. So there's not yeah. enough room <laughs> for people to play now. But yeah, and I would, it, it's nice to see that when you go back and other things and certain things are the same and, and things like that. But yeah, now it started off there. Um, it was also the time is when um, Manchester was known as Gunchester as well. Um, so okay. it was a little bit dangerous. Um, if But it, it was all right for me growing up in it because you sort of knew where to go and where not to go. Yeah. And, um, but, yeah, no, you and you knew who was involved and who probably weren't. So you, you sort of, as long as you looked after, kept to yourself and stuff like that, you, you could um, thrive and just keep going mm. um, and just yeah, just be a kid in a way. Yeah, so like that's living up in like Manchester in that sort of time when you're sort of like a a young sort of teenager, if you like, like how how easy or difficult was it like to stay out of trouble? And and you know sort of focus on school and football and, and and other interests as opposed to sort of you know hanging around and maybe getting into trouble. Um, I found it easy yeah, because um just basically from my parents really. Um, I've obviously mm. had I've got had family members in. Um, I would say probably two of the gangs separate. So um, it's, it's such a wide range in my family. Um, so I was probably. Class, I was brought up on the um, one group, one, one gang was called the Gooch okay. side. I was brought up on that sort of side, um, and then other family members lived on the Doddington, which is literally mm-hmm. across the road. And so, um, yeah, and it's I had to walk from one state to the other, and that's where, like I said, growing up, everyone knows, and you, you sort of know when to go out things in. And things happen, um, but yeah, you speak to family members, they're telling you not to do this and not to do that, and explain what they do, kind of things, in not so much in layman's terms, basically. Um, so yeah, just uh, focus yourself, keep your mind, keep just keep playing your ball. I just come in the ball, so like just keep playing your ball, keep playing football, or keep 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 doing something positive, basically, and then um. Yeah, and that's all I did. So I didn't really get taken on with football until about just going into secondary school. So what was that? 12, is it? 11, yeah, 12. 12, like 11, 12, wasn't it? And that was the first I think, time I, I went into the system, yeah, kind of thing. It's interesting because, um, like, I've got three teenage boys now, like 18, 16, 14. And, um, like, the way we have basically tried to keep them out of trouble and just sort of hanging around and being a nuisance as such is keeping busy. So like, whether it's with football or, you know, other sports, trying, if they're doing those things, then they're not hanging around and, and stuff like that. But I mean, it's a very different world 
now to what it was when you know me and you grew up me and you were a similar age and like you know when i when i was a kid you i would summer holidays i'd go out at like nine o'clock in the morning and i probably wouldn't come back until it was dark or my my old man or my mum would come and get me because i'd missed tea or something because i just been playing football and cricket all day and i think um like there's just no way that i would allow any of my kids to do that these days even like the 18 year old you know if, if he's out and about or he's out somewhere with his friends like I kind of, if a few hours goes by, like I'll send him a text and be like, you know, everything all right, where are you, whatever. And it's it's, it's, it's almost like a sad view of the world, but it's just, it is what it is, unfortunately. I think, um, like, what are some of your fondest memories as a kid, like away from football and stuff like that? No, that that's one of them is exactly that, because um, I'm a June baby anyway. Um but I do like the summer. Um, when it was daylight and daylight till what ten and ten at night, it was superb for me. That was my great times. And now I can understand the reasons why my mum got worried. Yes, yeah. she would come and get, come and get us if I've not come, um, not been back, or they couldn't get us because obviously no mobile phones or stuff at that time. But she yeah, wouldn't come and just say, "Oh, you come on, let's get back in." She'd be coming to grab me and saying, "Why are you not yeah. home?" Because uh, you had a bit, yeah. So a few, <laughs> a few of them happened, but no, it's it's just yeah. While you're very much active, and like you said, unfortunately now it it's not it's not the case, and and I can see why it's not the case in certain circumstances. Um, where I live now, it's quite open and rural so it, it's mm. not a, I probably don't threat as much but even yeah. though if they're away um too much my children don't really because we're where their friends are we're just outside their little town so okay. it's walking distance and some of them quite lazy really so they don't want to mm. walk in there so we just have to drop them off if they're coming out with the friends yeah, so yeah. I'd rather just sit but now they've got the computer to talk to everybody and they don't really have to see them face to face so but yeah, um, when they're out and you and it's a few hours goes by, you go, "Is he all right?" And you get a little yeah. bit worried. So you can, and now I can understand why my mum was probably tearing her hair out, not knowing where I was. Ten o'clock, yeah. and it's still daylight though, and that's the reason why. Once once you see the the sun still up, you you lose track of time, don't you? But that, no, they were the good ones because we used to, like I say, just go like little adventures, just. Walking around, keeping out of trouble to the most part. Um, obviously, you get little kids, and you, I don't know, you, you like pull things off trees and mm. take these stuff. So, little things, nothing major, and yeah, yeah, real trouble. But, um, no, I think they were the I think that's a good upbringing to have. So, you have a mixture of people as well. So, with the football world, you got a mixture with other communities, communities in Manchester as well as my own one, where I am, where it was based, where you had a bit more of the rougher aspects of life. And, yeah, I think it all that, as you progress through life, that sort of, that sort of grounding, I think, helps you to progress in whatever you want to do. Yeah, and I think, um, I, you know, very quickly on it, I think, um, like, kids, I feel sorry for kids these days, like teenagers and, and sort of the young high school kids, because... I don't know what it's like by you, but like in Cardiff and and the surrounding areas, like in the valleys and stuff like that, and Barry, they 
the councils are taking away everything like youth clubs and football pitches and basketball like they're just taking everything away they're closing swimming pools down so it's like if you take everything away for what they would do like what what is it that you expect them to do they're either going to sit at home on the xbox or the playstation or whatever or they're going to just hang around around shops and and then that's when you can kind of get into trouble and be a bit of a nuisance and things like that but if you take everything away from them so they got nothing to do it's kind of like what you expect them to do but yeah it's, it's uh yeah i feel for them a bit yeah no it's pretty much exactly around that around here as well like that and yeah that that's why it's sort of sad when they when they're wrong well my son's 20 now so he's not too bad the daughter's just 10 16 which she's doing a well she does done her gcse's yeah, so yeah same as the results of that one hopefully she's done well um but we'll see so yeah they're at that sort of age where yeah they i don't really worry for them anymore yeah like i said they never really went out too much they only just literally we got like a bit of an open bit here where they they could play but they had, there's nothing other than that there was nothing really to go to so the ones who were in the town itself were just hanging around the park or something like that because there was nothing else <laughs> to do yeah. so but that's it's difficult because the no. they say yeah everything's on them social media and everything yes we're on social media talking now but everything is there everything there the whole upbringing is sort of shown Look, if you want money, this is what you need to do. You need to look like this. You need to look like that. You need to do yeah. this. And as long as, like, I keep doing money into you be your individual. You, you, you just be you. You be an individual. Don't follow. Yes, you've got all these um, influences, influences and stuff like that now. And where everybody wants to go, they listen to them. But yes as long as you take it that they're getting paid to say certain things sometimes or they're doing stuff for money, you just do, you find your own path. You do something what you want to enjoy. You've got the options, take them. And that's what I just try to um, um, hit home with them. And it seems to be working so far, but we'll see what what, what um, paths they take. Yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting. Like I say similar things to my boys and I'm like, I quite often will say to them like, you know, if you're with your group of friends or you're with some people and they're doing something that you don't want to do or you don't agree with or that you shouldn't be doing, you've got to have the, the strength of character to go, oh, I'll see you tomorrow. And then if if then if you, you know, if they doing something they shouldn't be and then you say, oh, I'm going to go home or whatever. And then the next day they're not your friend or they're not speaking to you, then they probably weren't good friends anyway. You know, if they if their friendship is conditional on you kind of doing what they're doing and ironically for well probably for the first time really on friday just gone uh, my middle son who's just done, finished his gcse's it was the last day of school so he went into town in cardiff and they went bowling and had some food in nando's and then they came back to sort of our area and um then his friends and that they were all going to go and meet up with all the other kids from the rest of the year and they were going to have a few drinks and he came home because he's got a, like a plan of what he wants to do, and part of that involves going to the um, to arm to the army and stuff. He's very like focused on that, and he decided that no, I'm not going to just go and I don't want to go and drink. He's not really interested in it. He doesn't like the feeling of sort of or the thought of being out of control. 
And I was like, good for you, mate, because it would like literally his whole year pretty much was going and meeting up. And I thought, you know, it takes quite a lot of maturity and a bit of strength to go, no, not really, not really up for that. It's easy to kind of just go with the flow in it and follow your, follow your friends and whatever. So, yeah, no, I think that's very fingers good, crossed. It's working, but yeah, you know, it seems to be anyway. It sounds like it is. Yeah, but uh, yeah, my I, my youngest one, I think I think it's because he's the, he's the youngest. He's the one that I worry about the most. Yeah. But he's also very good at football, so it's like trying to keep him on that path. Now he's had a yeah. girlfriend for about a year, and f- from my own personal experience when I was about his age, 14, 15, was when I was sort of in the academies and doing quite well. And then I discovered girls and smoking and drinking and things like that. And I kind of went off the path for various reasons. And I look back now and I think, oh, what an opportunity which I had that I missed. And because I had got so far, I at least had a chance to go and try to do something. Um, So I'm trying to keep him focused on his targets as well but you know kids don't always want to listen to their parents do they well they're, they're gonna have to make their own decisions as well at some point but um it, they can now whereas where we were growing up you don't think you could see what the future sort of held but with some of these now you can see some of them I mean you can relate to and go look well he's done that and they've done this well maybe I can do a little bit of that and it's I think it's more if he definitely wants to do football he'll do it. If he doesn't, then you sort of know, and you know how football yeah. is. Football is very much a, an opinionated thing where some, some coach might like you, another one won't. Yeah, and that's what it boils down to at the end of the day. If someone likes you, you can move. And if someone doesn't, for whatever reason... Yeah, and like you see it in the Premier League now, like you look at um, just using... United as an example, like you could see some of those players looked like Aaron Wambasaka, for instance, looked absolutely finished at United, looked like he was done, looked like he was, you know, he was probably not cut out for that level. And then he's under Ten Hag, he's got his head down and, and worked with the coaches. And suddenly he's first choice. Like it can change very quickly under a different manager. Um, obviously, you grew up in Manchester. Who did you support when you were little? Well, when I like I said, once I started, because I just about when I went to secondary school, the just my primary teacher, um, no, I went to Trafford Boys first, so the area basically, um, and the coach, one of the coaches there, um, sent me to a local one called Stretford Victoria, and the coach for that was the um, um, the Man United School of Excellence scout. Okay. So I went straight to Man City, Man United from that. Um, did that, um, had um, Nobby Styles and was wow. the coach there doing that and helping out. So it's a good start there. So I'm mm. doing that for a couple of years and then it comes to schoolboys and then um, Man City, it, well, Man United were um and an arm in whether to put me in as schoolboys and then Man City came in and went, right, do you want, do you want to do this? So... I went to Manchester City and because you, when you go to school boys, you obviously get to wear the kit. You um, watch games as well as play the games on a Sunday. So, um, and then they also get travel money as well. I used to get three pound, three pound, three pound to travel to um, the training and stuff like that and the games. So I used to thought I was quite rich as well going to school. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so because I watched more of their games, I classed myself more as a Man City supporter than um, a 
do United. So, but okay. football's football. I don't mind football. But if you someone asked me, I would say it's Man, Man City is my team. Interesting. Off coming off a successful season as well. Yeah. Um, well, there was a bad time when I literally was playing against them in League One. So yeah, yeah. they they were yeah. They went, <laughs> so they went right down, didn't they? They they uh, did. They, they a big fall from fall from the top. Um. So in terms of your your football career, you said about 11, 12, you sort of started going into the um like the academy systems and stuff. Was there any other sports which you were kind of interested in, or was it always really football? Um, well, I was all, we all played cricket as well at, on the road, literally. You know, in the middle of the road, we had crates on either side, so we used to literally take over the road when we used to play. So I used to do that not at a club or anything, just on the streets. Yeah. Um, but in school. Um, my PE teacher, the secondary school, was a also a rugby league fan. Mm. And he took me rugby league, and he said he thought that I could probably do that. So by the time I was just about leaving, I weren't getting kept on at um, City um, for YT. Um, so my sort of the teacher said, um, "Would you fancy doing rugby league?" I was like, "Hmm." Don't know actually. I never really thought about it, and then mm. just just at the off chance, City went. Oh, by the way, you, you can also um, we've got a trial at Hull. If you want to try that, if um, it's such and such a day, and I went, well, no, we'll try the whole trial, and then um, we'll see it then about maybe rugby league, and then um, yeah, did the trial at Hull, and then yeah, that was sort of the right the people there watching and. Yeah, the rest is history from that one. So. Yeah, and I think there's there is a bit of luck, not for you personally. I just mean generally for football. Like in as teenagers and kids, it's getting seen by the right person at the right time, or or just that bit of luck. Because I've I've noticed watching my older boy in the academy system. He was at Cardiff and Taftwell, and a, you know a couple of different places. Like the the general standard in the academy once you get to like fifteen, sixteen. The general standard, all the players are, are generally similar standards. You know, they're all very technically good. They're all te- very fit. They're all strong. They can all, you know, pass and control and, and do quite well. Then you'll get the odd player who's a bit more creative or flair or, or speedy. But the general standard, I mean, is is all right. And then a lot of the time, I think, or certainly what I've noticed, is the ones that get kept on for the what would have been like a YT us is like the ones you've got that mentality to do a bit extra um the extra training the free kick practice after training all those like extra additional things which improve them as players they tend to be the ones who go on and excel and then the ones who are very very good but they kind of do their training with the academy and then play their game on saturday and then that's it they kind of will stay the same so it's interesting. Were you one for training? Did you enjoy training? Or was it like some players I know I spoke to hated training, some loved it? It's... Where were you? So, yeah, no, I, I I didn't mind really. Um, but say back then it wouldn't it weren't so much it was something different for me. So I just like I just liked playing football, so I was happy mm. to do that. I think the bomb game where I probably heard what you're probably saying is was a traffic game. Against, I, don't, I can't remember who it was against, another um, local um, club, council club. And um, it was a final, and 
we had scouts and we had people um, taking photos and stuff like that. Or no, mm. what was it? A tournament, one or two anyway. But I had one game where I did all right and he took some photos and they were, and they were going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go, oh, look, you've got quite a lot of photos there and go, yeah, you did all right today. And then played another game and then the team was bad, but only one or two people just kept running. And yeah. the rest, like me, just sort and go, oh, we're going to get beat. Oh, rubbish. This, yeah, yeah. And not enough, not any more photos were taken. And the, and the coaches went, right, the reason why you haven't got your photos like you did the last game is because you stopped. You stopped yeah. on the pitch. You, you sulked. You did whatever you're doing. But him, to another player, just kept running and everything. And now he's speaking to that scout over there because this, even in a bad games one thing that you can do and you should always do is work. Yeah. That is what you should do no matter what. So that I've always then taken that with me through whatever I've done. So one thing you know you will get from me is work hard. Yes, I'm not the greatest long distance runner in training or this, that and the other, but on the pitch, I will try and do my best and, and work hard and first and foremost. And then you hope the quality comes out and shows and so you then start entertaining people but my first thought was right whatever it is you work hard and and I think that sort of I think everyone should have that anyway but yeah they should but I think also you see the new players sulk even professionals they sulk and I think it's just it's one of those things it's a personality thing but those players who do end up you know, working hard and and just don't stop running. They're often, you know, they're the fan favourites, aren't they? They're the ones who the fans sort of cling on, cling on to, or they have a bit of affinity to because they're the ones they think, you know, they're working for the football team, whether this win, lose, or draw. But I think it's a massive asset which you need as a as a teenager if you're trying to break into that academy system. If you're in the academy, if you get in the academy system you're going to be technically decent anyway. So then it's, a, you know, it's about, can you separate yourself from others in terms of your ability, your work rate, your attitude, your mentality and things like that. But it is, it's, it is so hard because there's so many kids who want to go on and be professional footballers. Isn't it? And I think there's, there's a lot of academies around now. And then you've got these other academies, which are not directly linked. You know, they're not football clubs. They're like centres, yep. which promise kids trials and, and they play games against some of the academies. And um, I do wonder sometimes with some I've come across, it does feel a bit like a money-making scheme, promising the kids the world to get, you know, their whatever amount per month from each player. And, and I don't know, but unfortunately, I, I... Go on. No, 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 there is exactly that. And and that's I saw from um, when Kai's son was growing up. He went into that sort of thing. But I, I did it with an ex-pro who's got his mm. own academy. So I knew that the person in charge was going to show him how to play football. Yeah. So I weren't worried about anything like that. And he's, 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 he's one of them players. He was one of them players who was quite demanding. And, and he was quite stern with the, the kids, not overly but getting close to that mark and where he was yeah. almost shouting at some of them and like that. 
just to get his point across. And you, but you can see the passion in it and the reason why he was doing that. Other people might have thought, "Well, that's a bit too much." Then let's drag him mm. away. But no, I think that worked. So I know the, and I'm also um, an ambassador for um, Holtby, Hull Beach United. Because um, okay, yeah. they do like a VTEC, what Kais did as well. So they, um, I when I was in, sort of talking with them, when they was just about setting up, I was going, no, just make sure that they've got the education, because that's really well, you want the education, but the coaching has to be spot on. You need to know what you're doing. You need to encourage it. And, that, and that's what they've done. And they've taken it to a whole another level now. So, yeah, it's it's... It's all about the work they put in and then what facilities are around you because there is, like you said, a lot of money-making um, places out there where literally they will just churn up as much of the local kids, sell them a dream. In, just in my opinion, what I've seen, sell them a dream. You've got people travelling to all over the country after school just because their son's wearing a Knott's Forest kit or... Uh, Burton kit at the time, whatever it was, why would you take somebody out of their environment where they're enjoying the football, where they're looking good? You take them to something like that, you chase them around, getting changed in the car, they're going to burn out. So you are going to get the ones... So you have some good players who just go, you know what, I don't want football anymore. I don't like it. I don't want it. Yeah, they stop enjoying it, don't they? Because they they go from playing with their mates every Saturday and their friends, you know, training with their friends every Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever, and then playing on a Saturday to then suddenly go into whatever academy mm-hmm. with a load of kids they don't really know. The pressure's on a bit more as well, and it for some of them it just when it's not if it's not fun at that age, or if you're not at very least enjoying playing. They just get fed up of it, and then by the time they hit teenage years, they're just like, "Yeah, I'd rather go and do X, Y, and Z." It's not worth it. Yeah. I spoke to him. Um, yeah, it's easy if you like I say if you're growing up in the place where you don't have to travel as much. To yeah, get yeah, of course, yeah. Stuff like that. It's the ones like I say just out who want to travel, get sold the dream, and that believe me, there's lots of them who do it, and then the clubs just make the money, and then they know they're not really going to get something at the end of it. It's just that they've funded enough for the next period to come up. Yeah. The next year amount, is not it? Yeah, I had um, a lady on before, Tracy, um, who's like, um, she's a sort of like a uh, sports psychologist, but her job is to deal with like 16, 17-year-old lads who've been sort of in the academy system since they're young. You know, got, and and they almost assume like they've been in there since they, you know, six, seven, eight, nine. They just go up the years all the way, so they just assume that when they get to sixteen, they're going to get the you know under twenty threes, and then eventually go to the first team because that's where it's always been. And then suddenly at sixteen, and they've missed a lot of school because they've been travelling with football and stuff like that. And then they just you know, are, sorry, we're not. Um, we're not going to take you on as a, an apprentice or whatever or professional. And like the thing with that is, I think football clubs have got to be very careful with that, in my opinion, because mm. a lot of these kids they, they put all their focus into football, and that's why I've always said to my kids, yes, you know, you can do football, you can, and if you like the older one and the younger one, are pretty good, like you can pursue it as a if you want to try and get it as a player, and if you want to go on. 
to have a career doing something else within football, that's fine. But first and foremost, you get your GCSEs and you get your education. You're not sacrificing that to chase that. Like you have to do them both in hand because so many of these kids, from what Tracy was saying, just like 16, 17, and they're just lost. They don't they feel like betrayed and they and they don't know what to do. They draw they stop playing football. They haven't got maybe the qualifications that they could have had. And I think clubs I understand that clubs cannot, you know. They can't help every single player after they tell them, you know, that's the end or whatever. But there should be somewhere that they can kind of send them for help to help them find another club, to help them find a job, to help them find education, wherever it may be. There should be some sort of service done through the FA or the PFA or whatever it may be, I believe, to help these guys, kids, because they're not mentally equipped to deal with the disappointment and then the aftermath of it, in my opinion. They also yeah. don't realise, sorry, I was just going to say, with the 16, 17-year-olds, when you finish up like under 16s, I think what a lot of kids and their parents don't realise is when you're trying to get that professional contract at, say, Cardiff, but it's the same anywhere, you're not just competing with the players within your squad. So you might be the best central midfielder in the, in the under-16s team. But when they're taking on the professionals, they're looking at all the central midfielders in in Bristol Academy and 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 you know all the academies around, and then they're going to try and sign the you know the group that they want to sign. And I think people, parents particularly, don't realise that, and they assume no, no. that they're going to yeah. go in. And that's what the the kids get sold on that dream, and then the parents get sold on that dream as well. So some parents as well might live what they thought that they could do when they were younger. Yeah. Go right, oh. You stay with them. You're playing for Cardiff. You're playing for Cardiff. Come on, let's, let's go. But they know Cardiff know that they, that child. Let's say Cardiff could be Lincoln, could be anybody. Know that that child probably won't make it. It's yeah. just let's just keep them on. And I do think that's the gap there where I think the start people are starting to realise that now that is a the problem. Yeah, the they've missed so much and they've been looked after when it comes to the real world, what do you do and how do you help them? And they're lost. Whereas like say, when I, when I say stay with the, your friends group, stay within your team because you're enjoying it. You're enjoying your football. When it comes to picking that 16, 17, whatever it is, you, if you're good enough, they will come and get you. They will come for you. You've just saved yourself paying all this, all this travel, all that. Just, just by playing your football, Whatever team you're in, if it's a good team where you you're more likely to get towards the finals, or you you are showing yourself there. Everywhere you go, there there will be a scout or somebody looking, and if you constantly perform, you will get to you will you will get to the, where you need to be with whatever career. Um, because there's always someone watching now. It's it you got the phones. Every, everything's put on every little club. Which I see, my local Sleaford Town, all their had all the different age groups are all on pretty much films. Any finals you can see and watch them. So yeah, everybody will be scouting. And if you do well, I I believe that um, your talent will dictate how far you can go. Yeah, I agree. I I think um, generally speaking, you can kind of in this day and age, if you're good enough, they'll they'll find you. I think there is sometimes where people kids can 
slip through the net if they don't play for a like a fashionable club, if you like, in the area and stuff like that. But on the whole, I think most kids, most clubs, if you're good enough, someone will spot you. Because clubs not only have their scouts, they have coaches and people who they trust who send them players or recommend them players to have a look at and stuff like that. So I think, yeah, on the whole. Um, in terms of kind of your career, so you were... you. You got told no by Man City, but then they sent you to Hull for a trial. What yeah. were you like for for trials? Were you one who got nervous and, and found it difficult, or was it just oh, it's just a game of football? And well, that one, that was, yeah, that was my first trial. Um, wow, kid. So I was like, at that point in Manchester as well, um, like I was talking about the different gangs. I was walking. From one from my house to my cousin's house, and like say splitting up, divided by one road. I've gone over that road, and then somebody's come up to me, walking head down, pretending like he's he's got a gun or something. And I've seen walking. I went right. What do we do here now? And then he's coming and he's looked and he's gone. Oh, sorry, I thought you were someone else. So I've gone right. So I carried on had my day and everything, which stuck. And then I think um, one of the family members. Um, ran into the house once and then goes, yeah, hold this. Hold what? Don't open it. Don't open it. Just put it under your bed. So put it under my bed. Obviously, my kid looked, looked at what it is and it's a, a, a firearm. I was like, what? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Exactly. And um, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. But I'm a kid and it's nothing. Yeah. I, and I know what the area is like and then I'm messing around and pointing out things, you know, and then as I'm thinking, I've gone, I'm like, but that was just before the incident when someone walked up to me and I've gone, right, I don't think I need to be here anymore. So that trial sort of came at the right time for me. Yeah. Um, so I went, right, best take that one first just to see. And if not, then I'll do whatever, plumbing, do go college, I'll do whatever. So mm. yeah, did the trial, doing it. Um, went one of the, probably the, my, best games it's just um what the manager said who who um at the time was terry dolan and um yeah terry dolan and one of his i think his assistant was there watching and i i just challenged the keeper i I wasn't scared i just went in with the keeper and literally and he said from that obviously i was tall weren't out but i was tall he went from that he went right he'll do and that's how I got my YT, just the basis that I've worked hard and <laughs> challenged the keeper. So it, little things like that. So you've got loads of things at home and then you go, right, how do you make your decisions? What do you do? I'm going to do this. And I've always been very in- independent, that sort of household where your mom, my mum worked two jobs and my dad was in and out um, doing his thing. He's more of a DJ and, and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it was, I was always cooking and doing stuff for my iron and myself. And yeah, I was, I was very much uh, ready to leave and be independent by the age of, yeah, yeah 14, 15. I would Interesting. Because that's, I mean, not all kids are ready, are they, at that, at that sort of age to go and, uh, you know, to leave home and to be that independent. I think um, that's a big, big step. Like, but you sound like you were ready to, you know, you were quite an independent sort of kid, is it? 
Yes, very much so. And yeah, because uh, like I say, by the time I got to them sort of later ages of towards the end of school, like, you just sort of mess around with work and you not you don't focus enough and uh, yeah. Um, I know I knew I was always going to be better. I learned more coming out of the school system environment. Yeah, and doing it on my own, so distance learning or college or university, I'm, I was better in more independent learning than sitting down in the classroom and doing that. I was never, I was never good at that, to be honest. But um, I, I did enough, and then I have yeah, learned so much more since coming out of um, that environment to life. But I, I learned my life skills very early. So I knew what to do and I knew how to act in certain places. And okay. Yeah. So um in terms of like that early stage of your career, you're at you're at Hull. Um did you settle in quickly to play in as a kid and, and in the academy system and, and were you like very focused? You said you're independent, but were you very focused on like I'm gonna you know, get into the first team and become, you know, a professional, and this is going to be what I'm going to do. Or were you quite laid back with it? No, I'm I'm very much a laid back person. I'm me personally. I was just happy to play football. I was okay. playing football, and someone was paying me to play football. Um, it weren't going right. I'm gonna I want to earn this, that, and the other. No, I was just I've got a job, and I'm playing football. They're actually paying me to play football. So yeah. I, I just in, enjoyed the fact that I went out. Um, the first digs we went into, because we went straight into digs, was supposed to be the best. And me and another player from City as well, um, Danny Norton. And then we were just, we, we were sat in the room, in the place once and sort of telling us what how things go and what they expect in, in the digs. And then okay. in the mornings, we used to come down and there was a bowl of cereal and the milk. Everything else was locked in the cupboard. So everything was, you only had one meal. You're not allowed to go in their room because it was their room. You only could sit in the kitchen breakfast area or your your bedrooms. Um, it was very much a, well, they're saying, what, what, we're coming here? I've gone to prison or something. And <laughs> I weren't quite sure about what was happening here. So we, we mentioned it to the club and they were going, oh, that's our best digs. I went, really? Well, no, I'm, I'm not happy there. And then they moved us to somewhere else where it was actually um, a family who whose son actually played rugby league. So they knew uh, how okay. football was and, and how kids are. And, and we just had the, we were literally invited into their house. So we were part of their family. They made it. Uh, that sort of environment was a lot better for me. And yeah, had, and then from that point on, started doing probably a lot better at the football because you were you, you were settled. And it took me, yeah, it was, I think it took about two months, two three months. I was like, no, I'm not liking this at all. What I can't do anything in this house in the first days. Mm-hmm. So yeah, once we, we and as kids, we don't. Some people just accept it and not say anything and try and muddle on. But no, we straight away we went, nah, I'm not happy. And yeah, and I, the thing is, me, so. I think even with 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 uh, that young age, like even like players now, you you know, 
I think you've got to be you've got to be happy off the pitch as well as on the pitch. If you're not happy off the pitch, I think it can it means you're going to find it difficult to settle. But I think even more so for kids that age, you know, young kids as well. Like if you're not settled off the pitch, it's going to be very difficult to go and show an academy or you know a football club what you're capable of. And I think, um, like you say, not many kids would have been able to say. I'm not happy with this, you know, um, because they would just go along with it because they'd be, you know, happy to be there and stuff like that, and they don't want to rock the boat. And but... I do think um, if they believe that you've got a little bit of talent in there, they will mm. move you quite quickly. And I think that they thought maybe we've got something, so we'll move them. Yeah, and then we'll Looked see after you a bit. Yeah, that's what I thought. In in those early stages of your career in the academy system. Um, who would you say was like the most influential sort of people in your sort of circle or your life or at that time, like who was helping you out the most and keeping you doing the right things? No, uh, it was more because I moved away from home. Your focus, um, my focus was on football because I didn't have any other distractions. Okay. I knew that's the reason why I wanted to move away from Manchester. If I moved, stayed in Manchester... You have the distractions there. You've got your your group of people you you'll, you'll go around with, um, and other things there. Whereas mm. if you come out that whole spotlights kind of thing and go into something else, you're new in it, so you're trying to find your way and where you fit in that. So in that in whole new environment was good for me because I never had it quite early on. So yeah. it was still new. And that's why I think some of the academies now, because you've started from the age of, what was it, six? Mm-hmm. All the yeah. way up. I started halfway through that. So I'm on the, I believe I was on a better trajectory for it. So everything I was coming up against was still new. So I just went to embrace being around new people, showing what I could do. To be honest, I didn't really do, I mean, scoring loads of goals like I said I was just working hard and just trying to find my feet and by halfway through that season I was all, all of a sudden in the reserve reserve team side so you had at them days you had your YTs and you had the reserve side and then you had the first team so we okay. used to play games against other clubs so we had Leeds and I don't know because it was in the graphical area geographical area so we had Leeds and uh, what was it maybe Lincoln stuff like that so we were playing loads of gates had loads of people different standards but we had our own little league Pontins League I think it was yeah yeah I mean I remember Andy talking about the Pontins League a lot because mm-hmm. um, he used to say like he, you know the system which they've got now with the under 23s I think is useless and I think whereas the Pontins League it was competitive so you had kids and first team players who weren't playing in yeah. that, you know, playing competitive games. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a big thing is playing competitive games is what you need to, to improve. Yeah. And, and you get experience on other people's, yeah. Yeah. Exactly that. So um that's interesting. I like yeah, that, but that, that little system there, because you you had so you have a wide two year YT and then you get um either first year pro or second year pro. So that reserve team had obviously the first years and second year pros who were previous YTs as well as first team is coming back getting back fit yeah I come to that system quite early and it's it then so the players 
drop in and drop out. So you've got first teamers. So you're looking at your first teamers playing with them. And, uh, and then so that gives you the motivation to go, well, I'm on the pitch with them and I'm playing with them there. Well, maybe I can do that step up. And that's what it was. So basically my trajectory went that quick that by, I think it was just before the end of the season where the first team weren't doing that well, they were going down. Okay. And the manager went, go on, here's, here's a chance. So I then start playing. I was the second youngest to play um, in the first team. And then scored, did I score my debut? I think I may have done the, but I've tried, the ball's come across. I flipped it up down the line. They've done a throw in, flipped it, and I've spun like I've been taught, running to the box. The ball's, obviously, the play's carried on and crossed it to the back stick, and I've tried to head it, missed it, come off my shoulder, back in the net. I went, well, I'll take that. Grabbed the ball out the back of the net and then ran back because we were losing the game. But yeah, that sort of, them sort of memories and how quickly that was. It was sort of like a whirlwind where I stopped playing um, youth football, like say after about four months, and then it was mainly reserves, and then it was first team. So, how old were you when you made your first team debut? Then I was sixteen. See, that was relatively un- unusual oh, that in that time, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, very much like- so. Because mainly because I was tall. I didn't have a lot of weight on me. It was just tall and they just think usually you can't play somebody in the first team if they're not physically big enough to deal with what what that brings. And then that that sort of time, some of the tackles were a little bit more vigorous. Yeah. And and that's already calmed down as well, didn't it? Since, Since how it used to be. So yeah, it's not, so not everyone young can do it. But I just think if you're physically right and you've got the ability in whatever the coach is looking for, you 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 will get your chance, and that's why that's why I say it that way because that's how it's happened to me. I've never gone and gone for these trials or gone for that trial or gone there. Someone's already come and said, right, I will, yeah, do this, go there, or go. You will. You, they come for me rather than. I'm asking them, is it, can I do something or can I, can I, no. They yeah, just yeah. gone like, oh, you've got some ability, do you want to fancy coming to our team and and stuff like that? And, and that's how it worked and that's how all my, my career's gone. Yeah, I like it. I think, um, yeah, I think you've got to have a certain mentality though as well to be able to do that yeah. Yeah. At, a, at that young age. Like if you, otherwise I think it's just, it's, it's, it's very difficult to do. But, <clears throat> you know, traditionally they do say, if you're good enough, you're old enough. And I think you showed that. So you were you stayed with Hull for, what was it, 95, 97, so a couple of years, made 38 yeah. appearances in total. Do you, do you look back fondly on that? Because it's obviously that's your first sort of two years of, of professional football, first-team football, men's football, however you want to sort of... I did, it. Yeah, we had a good um, spectrum of what football was about because we had one stage that we got to the ground and we couldn't get in because they had the locks on the ground. Okay. So financial problems straight away. So that was an issue. And then you see, um, obviously, then the manager gets sacked if you're not doing well, obviously. And then new one comes in. So I'm now not one of the favourites dealing with that so it was Mark Haley 
he's come in. We have got money by this because um, the person who owns David Wilson, mm-hmm. um, he sort of, um, you know, the gyms, he owns the gyms and that. He was the chairman at one stage when Mark Haley came. Obviously, Mark Haley comes. He's a player manager. I'm a striker. Yeah. He's a striker. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Obviously, tricky then, isn't it? I, I wasn't being treated like I was a part of the team. Um, so... Billy Kirkwood then, who was his assistant, sort of helped me and um, sort of talked to me and I I understood it through him. But yeah, it's basically the manager's come to play. He wants to play in your position. We've got other youngsters coming through so we can adapt that way. So we might as well cash in for you and do it kind of thing. But they never did it like that. They did it a different way where they tried to make me feel unhappy. That way, so that showed me that side of it as well. With Mark Haley coming in, he had some good things because he brought in um, Glenn Hodges, okay, Washington National. So we played him. Um, David Rollcastle, who I watched all my life TV, um, Arsenal. So I got to see play with a hero, and literally, I've got a photo someone's put on Facebook the other day. and we were at the bus, we were going to, I think it was an FA Cup game or something like that, and I'm stood next to David Rollcastle, all take outside, all in front of the bus, all just... And that was part of my squad. So, yeah, um, yeah it's... Incredible, yeah, man, some, isn't it? Yeah. No, we had some good times in that. I think, like I said, because I, I was very much mentally ready from a young age to be independent, that little step up to going in the reserves because it gives you a little bit of that people are watching. Not much, but some people are watching. So you're on playing on the on the pitch. So then when you get to play first team games, yes, you've got the crowd, but you're playing on the same familiar pitch. You already know the pitch, so you can just play your game and the the players allowed us to do it. So um no that time there it was it was good grounding. It was yeah. Got to see a lot and got to see a whole new city. Um, yeah, no, lots of things happening there. Obviously, with um, youth teams and we all playing, we all get up to certain things. But um, all in all, everything, it was a good bunch of what, what we had. And you got to play with some, uh, you know, a hero as well in David Rowcastle. I mean, was that also sounds like that was your first bit of... Um, I don't want to say adversity, but like in terms of like when Mark Haley's come in, you've gone from being, you know, the the, the striker to to the manager, effectively taking your your role. Like, how did you deal with that? Because that must have been relatively tricky to navigate, just simply because of, you know you went from being the the striker, and then the manager's obviously still looking to play, which means you've got a almost like a decision to make, I guess. Yeah, how you react. Yeah. Um, I weren't too bad because during that, that's where my my injury started as well. So okay. I, that first season, it was fine. Obviously coming in, playing, signed my pro contract um, the, the following season um, and then started that season. Uh, me and Dwayne Darby up front. So we're playing and we're fine. It looked like we getting a um, relationship going. And then all of a sudden, I've 
gone for a ball flat out and then my hamstrings just popped. Uh, oh, nightmare. Injured. I've, so I've been taken back in and this time the the, the physio's smoking. It, it's one mm. of them at times, bucket of sponge, smoking. We go in. <laughs> it's like a, I can't, a whole change of rooms then was literally like, a, you know, the old saunas, you know, the wood panning in everywhere. It looked like one of them. So we got into the physio's room. He's obviously smoking in that. And then he's looked and he went, yeah, I think you got a little bit of cramp. <sighs> right, okay. So I'm listening to this man at the time. So I'm like, okay. Well, so you were we, young we, as well. Like, why no. wouldn't you listen to him, innit? So we weren't quite pulled. So I've not looked to So he's, he sort of rest me for a week and then we gone out again. And then in its proper tour in training. And then, so I'm out for three months. So oh, that's what man. that's what the first first thing what's got me thinking about football and doing other things because mm, the yeah. contract's never gonna run out and I'm not playing or so I beef up doing weights and doing all that. So I'm looking after me trying to do it that way. Um and then all of a sudden the manager changes and then this happens. So yeah, that's it all just comes on, on itself basically. So um yeah. Yeah, this has got to be really difficult to deal with. Like, <clears throat> was that the first time you'd had like a like a proper injury, which you know kept you out for a, a length of time? Are you yeah, had you picked up any like sort of injuries before that? No, that's that's my whole career. It was only one time with a twisted ankle, but everything was stemmed from um, mainly hamstrings. It was either the fit. Either one, so it'll go from one to the other, play for a bit, and then the other one will go, and then play for a bit, the other one will go. So I think that could... works out at, at Cardiff that it, it may stem from the back. And then... uh, okay, I was gonna say because I was gonna ask if they would they ever worked out why yeah. it kept happening. So now, nowadays, now with that technology, if we had that back at my start, then I would have found did something, then it would have improved my probably career later on but unfortunately that was like I said I started early so I got to play more games than probably what the most so I can't really complain too much but that was my main problem throughout my career was them injuries yeah those hamstring hamstring injuries which just kind of almost when like I remember with with kind of you would get like a bit of momentum yeah and you'd yeah. start looking, you know, fit and good, and then you'd pick up like a hamstring injury or your back, and and it was just, it's unfortunate then, isn't it? Because you feel like every time you get going, you sort of you went back going again. Out. Then yeah, you're going out on the pitch, and I'm I'm if I don't get injured, so I'm not concentrating and playing. I'm not concentrating and doing it. I'm just concentrating and not getting injured. Yeah. So then people sort of start to see that and go, well, he's not good, is he? He's rubbish. So then when I do relax and go, right, you know what, come on, start playing and start playing, something will happen. You're just waiting for something to happen. And that was, and that's, and that's where the mental side of loads of stuff and with me, that, that impact, that build up and build up and build up. So once I did finish, that is where everything came to me. Cause you sort of look back and then, loads of things go through your head and then personal things happen. I just, it all went cloudy and then pff, you just you need a way out and then 
lucky mm. for me, I, I did because I'm that sort of way of thinking. I like to think things out through, and, and I, but I never used to talk, but now I talk, and that's what that helped me, and that's what I've learned. What was it like? Um, obviously, playing football from the you know the mid nineties through you you finished late. Two, well, 2014, wasn't it? So, I mean, you played through... No, I did 2006. I did. I, I, I'm looking at you, like Histon and Sleaford oh, and oh, right, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, oh, yeah. So, like, yeah. So, like, in terms of... I was going to ask you, one, did you notice a difference in terms of the support which players get in the early part of your career, like, from a... Not necessarily just mental health, but like overall, like health in managing professional sport and being a professional athlete and playing for you know competitive football and and things like this with fans and all the pressures that come with football. Did you notice a difference towards the end of your career and how that sort of thing was approached from the coaches, the the, the football clubs and stuff like that, or not? Um, from when. Like I said, I finished probably league football. No, it was more, um, yeah, if, if you wanted, or like I say, with Notts County, for instance, again, I got signed by one manager, he gets sacked, the other manager comes in, doesn't fancy me. That's it. And I, by then, mm. I, I just had enough. I would go, right, I'm not, I'm not just going to sit around for you to. Get, wait for the rest of this season to then sell me on. I'm going now, which I shouldn't have done. I should have had the club ready for me and, and everything and did it the right okay. way. But I'm that sort of person where if I'm not happy yeah. after previous experiences, knowing how managers could be. So by the time I got to that age, I went, nah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not one. I'm happy to back my talent to get somewhere. Um, whether okay. it's low or high, whatever. So I'll I'll leave now, look after myself, train with somebody, and then at the end, the beginning of the next season, do some trials somewhere or do play with someone, and then look for a new club. Uh, so I left halfway through that end of last the last season with not not counting my contract, and then went to Histon. No, Crawley. Yeah. So, so I had a gap where I weren't going to do anything. And then I went, right, I need to start training or something. So Crawley came in. So I went with Crawley. And they're travelling down there to Gatwick. Sort of went helping the situation, obviously, my back and stuff like that. I was fine and everything. It's just playing a game. Again, hamstring, flat out, <laughs> got a shot. It pulls me into the change room. This time, the, the physio goes, right, so I've seen him doing stuff. I thought I was just going to get some ice and put it on. And then he's gone and started, tried to massage it mm-hmm. and pull the actual hamstring. I go, so I jump off the bench because I'm in pain. I go, what are you doing? And he's going, I didn't touch where I said the pain was. But yeah, my hamstring runs down the entire bit of your your leg, the top bit of your leg. Yeah. So he's gone right up to my, say, the top bit and just to massage the top bit. And I go, no, but you're pulling the whole thing so I, to honest, I do think that that probably didn't help with the way it healed and that's the reason why I had to stop in the end but yeah just just the mindset of 
the different whatever standard you are it's all about the, the quality of staff what will help you will help your players so if yeah. you've got an asset so for instance Cardiff now will probably have a lot better staff than um, Crawley did then because they were non-league so it was it's, it's all your I think it all works out depending on the rise and depending on how much um, the group you have is so you invest in that group if you've got the likes of Kavanagh and Peter Thorne and Robert Earnshaw, Danny Gabidon, you want to look after them. They're your assets. So course, yeah. you try and get people around them to make sure that their assets are looked after. So, so um, just because we look towards wrapping up, I want to talk to you a bit about your time at Cardiff yeah. and um, sort of when you did finish up. So we'll start with um, Cardiff. Like, when you found out, when did you find, or how did you find out that you were going to go from from Lincoln, who you'd spent three years with, yeah. you know, moving on to, to, to Cardiff City? Um, well, we played Cardiff. I think it was about two weeks, three weeks before I found out that they, they were coming for me, and then um, we played at, at Ninian Park, and it was a night game, and uh, I managed to score two goals. And then we lost the game. Lincoln lost the game three three two in the end. It was quite good. it was a good game. I think only scored towards the end and got the win. Um, so they've obviously looking for another striker. I'm not sure why because I just looked at the squads then, and the amount of strikers they had anyway was believable. But yeah, three about three weeks later, um, I've literally got a. I was suspended and then for five yellow cards. So I thought they were calling me in, Lincoln were calling me in to do some extra running or to do some extra work. So I've got, oh, for God's sake, so I just need a rest because we've been playing games non-stop. And then, so I've come in and they just sent me upstairs and it was a new chairman bit because Lincoln was struggling financially. And then they basically just said, um, Cardiff are coming for, with an offer. Um, and yeah. then, do you, do you want to, um, well, we don't want to sell you, but you're going. Um, so we need the money. Ah, okay. So you didn't have a choice. Yeah. Well, I could have once they talked, but um, yeah. Soon, soon yeah. got to Cardiff. You speak with Sam Haman and a few of the fans and 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 the rest of the people at the club. Then Alan Cork. Yes, it was probably a no-brainer, really. Yeah. I mean, were you excited by the prospect of coming down to to Wales to play football and stuff like that? I was a little bit worried because um, not too long ago we played. I played in Swansea, and that's the only time in football where I got a little bit of racism. So oh no! I've just gone right. So it was only a little kid um, in front of his dad. He's just gone because he obviously it's down a bit in the old stadium. Batch, yeah, yeah, the batch. And then he's, the guys, the little the kids doing the monkey gesture to me, and, and his parents yeah, laughing. So what would that have been like? Two thousand, like. 99, yeah, 2000, 2000, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but that was the only time. And, bit, and so. so the kid was with his parents? Yeah, so literally, was doing, so the parents had stood behind him. He stood in front. And I've just looked. I don't know what I've done. I've gone through the ball or just looked. And he's just doing that, <laughs> going, you monkey. And they're just laughing. Jesus. Uh, 
I'll just like shake your head. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Shocking that is, you know. Like that a parent and just I just I don't yeah. understand the mentality, mate. But, but that's the mentality when you, 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 you go into the pitch, they believe well, we'll go to a ground once you've paid your money to watch. Sometimes some people think that they've got the right to say anything they want and, and do things and get caught up in it. Once you leave the pitch and once you leave the stadium, it's sort of all forgotten about. But mm. anything goes inside and then once you come out, some people... Shock it, mate. Really, that's kind of shocked me, that is. But, um, you know, I'm, I know uh, no fan of Swansea at the best of times, but... I've n- I haven't really heard of anything like that before for coming. Yeah, don't go on. They carry on. It was only the one thing I saw. So it. Um, yeah, but even just... so, like you'd expect. Like, yeah, someone to you know, go. What, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Shocking. Well, how did that make it? Like, was so was that during the game? Yeah. Yeah. And did were you able to sort of? You know, switch off from it once it had happened, or was it something which, like, was was it playing on your mind afterward in the minutes afterwards? No, I obviously stayed there, but no, I just played on. But with that, it was one of the games where it was a, a, a sort of end of a quite a busy period, okay. and it was a night game as well. And I was, to be honest, it was it was one of them where you you weren't playing your best, and mm. you just, so I just sort of tried to just get through the game. Um, I think we threw the game or something like that. And then, um, yeah, in the changing room, it's gone, the little kid just, I mean, just did the monkey mm. sign to me. And the rest of them just went, no, no, no. So it weren't nothing um, highlighted or anything like that. Even It didn't make me perform any worse or anything. But things like that just makes me determined to play better and just to, just to show people like that. So. Yeah, I I, I, but even so, like, You'd think that you know if you go into the changing room and you can, you know, you you highlight that that um, there would be something, you know, like something done about it. And I know there would be now, but it's not that long ago, really. No. And um, yeah, it's a bit. Yeah, I think it's more the mindset where I didn't think that anything would probably come. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. didn't I, there weren't there weren't a th- automatic thing thought to say ref, yeah, do this. It was just one of them things. And that's how that's how we see. I saw it then. Now it's it, it's starting to change, which is good. Um, so at least straight away, the a player now will go ref. He's yeah. just done. Yeah, yeah, of course. But it's a it, infuriates me, mate. I gotta say. Um, what about um, like with your time at Cardiff? Did you enjoy it? Was it frustrating? Like, because you did have a few injuries and stuff like that. Did you? How do you look back on that time? Yeah, I said just did a quick little research, and yeah, looking at the squads, some of the players that were, were there and was frightening, and yeah, and I enjoyed it. It's as I saw it as a mini London because it's the capital of Wales, isn't it? So it, it's yeah. that is I embraced everything around it, and all that time was. It was good. I've never the people made me feel welcome. Everything, um, the area. I didn't have a bad thing to say about Cardiff. It's just frustrating that I couldn't show everything I wanted to. I had glimpses. You had the, the five goals, and I seemed to do well in training, <laughs> look well in training. Mm. And then when it comes to the games, worried about getting an injury, so it didn't show as much in the games than 
than what I was around the in the training and, and stuff like that. So that's the frustrating bit of it. And that's the thing. If I had the time again, I would probably dedicate a lot more, a lot of effort, everything to phys physical, my physical, my physicality, everything to make sure that I was top, top, top standard to go on that pitch. And so I could, show what I could do and um, that's that's one thing I didn't I couldn't show everything what I, I could do good stuff um a couple, couple of quick questions mate um who's the your favorite manager that you played under in your career I would have to say Lenny actually Lenny Lawrence I, th I thought he, he 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 was fair and and what he did in his in his training was was very good. Very good. He knew he knew what he's talking about, and yeah, Lennon Lawrence. Um, what's your what's your like your favourite moment when you look back on your career? Um, I scored an old red kick for Hull, which is on YouTube. Get watching. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> for Tigers, the Tigers. Yeah, so that was that was good at the time. Um, and see, for, um, being sold. Someone actually wanted to buy me, and once I got sold, I think that's when I thought, you know, what I've, I've made it. I'm, I'm a footballer, sort of thing. Okay. So somebody wanted to buy me, um, and then the, obviously the five goals in a game. Um, I think that's something I actually forgot. Um, but yeah, that was that day and night game. Everything around that, and it was in a good place of Cardiff, and everybody knew. And it was good that I was in Sky and, and family were up here and watching and they're going, it's got again. Look. Oh, it's come up again. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was, that was good. It's um, it's one of them, that isn't it? Because like, it's not very often that you'll see someone score five goals. And I think um, in terms of just moments and, and, and things you can look back on, there's something special, I think, in that. And uh, it was I certainly. Yeah, you know, remember it and stuff. Um, when you there, just, just running out, the signatures are just fading, unfortunately. But yeah, I've still got the ball. Excellent stuff. Um, when you finished your career, uh, Gav, like, was that a decision made? You know, basically because your your fitness and your injuries and stuff like that. Was it sort of taken yeah. out of your hands to a certain extent, or was it something you thought about a long time? Yeah, well, basically, two thousand six finished. And then I tried. I, I tried to make sure that I was finished. So I went to Halifax. I went to Histon um, with John Beck, um, Chrissy Wilder at Halifax. It sort of to try and get me back and see how I can do. It just kept breaking down. So I did try, and, and I, I wanted to. If it was going to be it, because you don't. Nobody finishes for a hamstring. You know what I mean? Nobody. Yeah. Well, there's lots of things behind it, so um, but yeah, it, it just everything kept breaking down, so it's so I'm, I just say it's my, I had a knee problem because it was the back of the knee like, where we attached, so it was my knee. Um, but yeah, it, I did try when it when it was time I, at that time as well. I, my daughter was just born, so I had a year with her, okay. So I was a dad basically, um, just a home parent doing that, doing all this, and then. The credit crunch hit. It was time. It was time to get a job. I did have savings. I did plan well. I'm not totally. 
out of the out of there. So mm-hmm. got hyper savings, they were getting low, credit crunch hit, time to work, and that's it. The Royal Mail found found me. Like if you could change one thing about your career, what would you change, Jacken? It was just the fact that I, I, my body wasn't right enough, so even more, it was just the making sure that my body was right. So that first injury, if we had the stuff around it now, it would have allowed me to be who I should have been and showed what I should have been. But uh, I, I'm, I'm never not what I've done because I've got to play with some good players. I've got to be in some good changing rooms. I've got to meet a lot of people. Um, and it's helped me grow as a person. So, yeah, um, I wouldn't change much other than just that that side of it. Yeah, not just not quite being being able to show what you were what you were capable yeah. of. Then, of then, then people can have the opinion say, look, if I was fully fit and everything, yes, he was good or he was bad, that, whichever. But on what everyone saw wasn't the probably everything what I could have had because of little knocks and injuries and like you said every every time you get to a bit of start it looks like you're gonna have a run mm. right now and that's the only one thing I, I look back at my career and that's the one frustrating aspect of it all but other than yeah. that I enjoyed everything people have met it's, it, it's been good good shot mate um Gav I could I could literally like uh, I could sit here and talk to you for another another hour mate where um obviously as I've said to you um, a few times before, when you're in Cardiff or the next time you're in Cardiff, we'll meet up and we'll get you in the studio as well and we'll have a, a good chat and we'll continue uh, continue this really, mate. But um, I really appreciate you joining me, mate. Really appreciate the, you being so candid about everything and that. It, it's been a pleasure, mate, I've got to say. No, it's been a shock. I didn't know the time has gone that quickly, actually. Yeah, it went it really quick, didn't it? So, um, yeah... I've plenty more to say, but no, no, man. Uh, that's no, I know. No, I do we like it. Late... No, I do, uh, I've watched some of your programmes and everything, so I do try and c- c- catch up with you and like your things and stuff. No, because you're doing some good good work there, so I was happy for like for the invite, so thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate it, mate. I appreciate that. And I think, um, look, like I said, there's still you know, lots more which we could discuss and stuff, so maybe, uh, you know, we'll do with part two in the future, isn't it? Yeah, why not? Why I'm not? Down, like I said, I have to be, come down there for it as well. Yeah, man. Um, thank you so, ever so much, mate. I appreciate you. Uh, guys, Gavin Gordon. Sports Social Podcast Network.